0: We just wanted to let you know we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And uh, as Pastor Mike said, it's just actually uh, three verses today, but it's actually two parables that we'll be looking at. And uh, the kingdom of God is gradual. Now their names were Mike and Kevin, and they were very ordinary men who decided to create a small, simple mobile app that allowed people to put up photos and videos. Within two years, 100 million people downloaded that app. And within four years, 300 million people downloaded that app. And at five and a half years, Facebook bought the app from them for $1 billion. That's the story of Instagram. Many of you use it. See, we love stories like that. We love the stories of the big, right? And the wealthy, and all those wonderful things, great growth. Well, the truth today, Jesus also speaks about growth, and we'll see that today in our parables. Over 2,000 years ago, he gave these two parables to teach about God's kingdom and how it grows. And he said that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard, a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. There's that sowing again. And then he said, he told them of another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That was in verse 33. And so what we're looking at today, the kingdom of God grows gradually. It's a gradual growth. We'll just do a quick recap. We, We said that I sensed after spending time in prayer that God was saying to us in the midst of anxiety we're living in a day where a lot of people are suffering from anxiety and are anxious and worrying about things and how they should be. That God says to us that we are to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added onto you as well. That's, that's what God is calling of us. But then we're starting to explore a bit. Well, then what is this kingdom like that God is asking us to seek? And so it's easy for people to talk about kingdom. I've got other series all lined up. We can talk about the kingdom all year. Uh, but what did Jesus say about the kingdom? And that's why we're looking at Matthew 13. And in Matthew 13, Jesus gives us parables where he tells us, you want to know what the kingdom is like? Let me tell you what the kingdom is like. And so Jesus teaches in parables. Remember what we said a parable is. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus is using everyday stories to see who are those that get the message of the kingdom. And so the first week we looked at the kingdom is mysterious. You know, God talked about, the, Jesus talked about the secret of the kingdom. And so we looked at the seed and the soils and the sower. Many people call it the parable of the sower. We said really the parable about the soils because there's four soils and the emphasis is one in four math one in four that one in four will get what the kingdom is really about and they're like the good soil and so we see that the kingdom of god is mysterious not everyone gets it last week kind of a hard lesson but it is the truth and jesus was preparing us that the kingdom of God will be contested. It will be challenged. It will not come in ease. There will always be that which works against the kingdom of God. One of the things that we said last week is you need to bloom where God has planted you. So I don't know. How do you been blooming this week? You're to bloom where God has planted you. You know, I've met so many people that keep praying that God will move them somewhere else or change the job or situation, and God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, you need to learn to bloom where you've been planted first. That's a whole different message. We won't even go there. And so we realize that how important it is for us to bloom where we've been planted. Now, I knew one of the strongest messages last week, and it challenged me. Church is not in your role to go pulling What? Weeds. weeds. We're not called to pull weeds. So much damage has been done to the kingdom of God because we go around trying to straighten everybody out, and that's not our place. That's what God does. We're to bloom where we're planted. We allow the, the weeds to grow with the wheat, but remember, there's a harvest coming when God will indeed deal with the weeds. So this week, we're looking at the kingdom of God is gradual. And so first of all, this first parable of the mustard seed, we see this improbable progress of the kingdom. The mustard seed would have been the, you know, people said, well, that's not the smallest seed. But it was the smallest seed for the Jews when they planted their garden. And so they planted their gardens, and the mustard seed was the smallest seed that they would plant in their gardens. And that's why Jesus is using this. And he says that small mustard seed that was planted in the garden would actually grow into a bush, into a tree, 10 and 12 feet tall. So Jesus is using this commonplace story that those listening and had planted their gardens would know exactly what he was talking about. Again, it would need to be planted in good soil, but it would bring that slow, steady growth. Gradually. It might not look like much right now just a small mustard seed but Jesus is saying this tiny little seed has potential for something great that even the birds in the air come nest in its branches see in a way the mustard seed seems like an odd comparison for the kingdom of heaven isn't the kingdom of heaven, uh, Pastor, great and mighty? is supposed to, as they thought in the early days, overthrow the Romans. It's supposed to come in power. But Jesus is telling a very shocking story here. He's saying, oh no, my kingdom doesn't come that way. And in our culture today, in our world, whatever is small, ever desired, insignificant, See, we're told to be powerful, we're told to be smart, we're told to be strong, we're told to be beautiful. That's what moves mountains, the big and the great and the powerful. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Isn't that what we spend so much time as parents trying to instill in our children? Our culture doesn't recognize anything but big, mighty, and exceptional. Not small, insignificant, Ordinary and average. So, what can the parable of the tiny mustard seed offer us today? I want to tell you today we're all challenged as we read this parable that we need to see our world and the kingdom of God around us with different lenses, with kingdom lenses we got to pray that God would open up our eyes and see that in the scripture, the weak are the ones who become strong. The lame begin to walk. The blind actually get to see. And a tiny mustard seed grows into a faith that can indeed move mountains. This is a phrase in an old song, but I kept thinking about this this week. Say it with me. Little is much when God is in it. Say it again. Little is much when God is in it. Do you ever feel small, insignificant, tiny and overlooked? I'm not talking about your size. <laughs> One of the biggest, funniest things was when we were on mission trips in Cuba. They would call me Bettina, you know, and uh, they would got to know my name and they called me you know sita and neighbors and they were mike well word went out about who mike and i were right and you got to meet them and got it up and uh when i would meet them they'd look at me <laughs> because they'd say well because the name was saying tiny betty <laughs> and they were saying well she's anything but tiny <laughs> right And so it made me chuckle, right, that they were saying, oh, that that name doesn't really fit who she is. And a lot of them were, you know, much, much shorter than I was as well. But, you know, I'm not talking now about Have you ever felt insignificant or small? That's nothing to do with our size. Have you ever felt overlooked? Sometimes the needs in our world, or our own world, seem so great, we can feel so small ordinary, average. Who am I to make a difference? Who am I? How could God work in our church up in this end of the island? But I want to encourage you today little as much when God is in it. Every person like a tiny seed has potential. Do you know that's what Jesus found when he was calling his twelve? We call them the band of misfits most unlikely man you would ever call to be your disciples. But Jesus didn't see them where they were. Jesus saw them at their full potential. And that's how he sees each one of us. As small as a mustard seed, he sees us at our full potential. And so that is why little is much when God is in it. That's why God can take anybody and everybody and use us for his kingdom. And so this parable of the mustard seed gives us reassurance and a promise today. See, small, this reassurance, small, unremarkable acts done in the name of Jesus, which will attract very little attention from others, are really the mustard seeds. They become larger, and they have a greater eternal impact than all the mighty deeds of the most powerful people. That Sunday school teacher who continues to sow the seeds of God's truth in a child's life. I still remember that story. This week I was reminded of uh, of a a Sunday school teacher who taught a class of boys faithfully for over 30 years. And there there was a class in particular one year. Five and six young boys. And every one of them grew up to be pastors and evangelists and missionaries. Because that one teacher was faithful to sow the seed in that child's life. The kingdom of God is small in light of what the world thinks. seems small, but it will have that that effect. It will grow, and it will do what God wants it to do. It will become larger and greater. So small acts can become very powerful. I shared once many times that I believe in doing a card ministry. It was the first thing I did as a uh, new-born believer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't drive. I I stayed at home with my kids. But I said to the pastor, I'm going to start sending cards out to people that God, and I did that on behalf of the church. And then years later, I said this about church in in Ontario, that there was a woman uh, that I just felt led by the Spirit to send her a card at Christmas. I guess it was about January, February, she walked into church with some of her daughters. Her grandfather had many, many years before had attended the church, and she said, you know, that was the only Christmas card I got," and it brought her back into church, and she came to faith, and we dedicated her life to the Lord, and then she started coming to Bible study, and then she moved away, and I went, oh Lord, every time people come and get saved, they moved away, what is this? And she's still in northern Ontario today, and she was leading her own group of ladies, Bible study, when she moved away. She was in a church, and she was now leading a ladies Bible study. And that is that little seed, that little act that the Holy Spirit tells you to do, and you're being obedient, no matter how small or insignificant it seems, little is much when God is in it. And then there's the promise That those things that we do as a church, those things that we do as individuals, as believers, like, like a seed begins to have that effect. I kept thinking of a pebble that you throw in a very calm water and you see that ripple of that water continue and how it has effect. And so when we do this, there's a promise that whatever you do today in the name of Jesus, as small as it might seem, it's going to have a ripple effect. That's the promise of this parable. You know, I always think about crazy things. But anyway, strawberries. Who likes strawberries? Oh, just a handful? Oh, there's a few hands going up. Well, I was in the garden last summer down in Shelton, and we had put this flower garden in trying to hide up some stumps. And I looked down, and it was just inundated and taken over. And I thought, what is going on here? What is that? And then I realized it was wild strawberries. Not such a bad thing. Mm (laughs) But what's so special about strawberries are the runners. It starts with one little plant. There was one little plant, another plant over in the corner, and then the runners begin to go out, right? Here, there, and everywhere. And then all of a sudden, I noticed within a week or so, these strawberry plants were now, these runners were beginning to plant new plants all over my flower garden. Well, i tell you that I left them until they got berries, and then I pulled them out. But... You know that's what the kingdom of God is like. That is that gradual growth that the Lord wants to do. Is He's wanting to send out these runners, these these ministries that whatever we do here in this church, that God sends it forth. And I said, Lord, I, I want to be like that strawberry plant. I want to be a person that it starts with me, and then this acts, these small acts that I do, is building Your kingdom. And that person, when the kingdom hits them, it begins to grow and mature in them. And then they're sending forth outrunners. And that's how the kingdom of God spreads from one person to the other. Early believers must have felt so small in the grand scheme of things. I I thought about that this week. Can you imagine, even when Jesus gave them the Great Commission, they probably thought, what kind? You mean we are to be your ambassadors, your servants? You mean we? There's only 12 of us, and now there's only 11, and you want us to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth? Imagine how ridiculous that must have sounded. Under Roman tyranny. Right? It almost sounded ridiculous what the Lord wanted them to do. Who are we? We're just a bunch of men, small. But again, little is much. God God is is in in us. You may be thinking today, you know, Pastor, I can't be a preacher standing up on the pulpit. I didn't think that either. I can't be an evangelist or a song evangelist going around the world. But I tell you, you can start with one person. Maybe two ladies, maybe three kids in Sunday school. You can start with a few young adults or a young family. You can begin to sow the seed of God's kingdom and see what God can do. The truth today is and see when i put this message together i didn't know about asbury and reading that yesterday and this morning but any revival always starts with one any reformation starts with one and i always was thinking about wilberforce how he stood up in parliament in the House of Commons in England, and he began to call out against slavery, the tyranny of slavery. He sounded like an idiot when he first stood up, because most of the men standing then at that time had slaves in their own homes. And he stood up based on the word of God that it was wrong, and it took him years. But the the abolishment of slavery is history today, because one man decided to stand up in Parliament and say, this is wrong. History is made by one person, one by one, doing what is right, little as much when God is in it. And so he goes on to say that this tiny seed this gradual, slowly transformation and growth of the kingdom will begin to move into a tree with trunk and limbs and branches, so much so that this tree, this mustard seed, comes a tree that it begins to shelter the birds of the air. And what God is saying there, that even though it starts very small, it will become so large that all of the nations of the world will rest in this tree called Christianity. People from every tribe, tongue, and language. Nations will bow at the feet of Jesus. And so it's this quiet revolution. It's not done in the loud and the noisy. It's done in the silent and the unrecognizable. And then it begins to become dynamic and transformative. And this kingdom will reach the ends of the earth. And this kingdom and this king will triumph over all opposition. But not yet. And not instantly. It is a gradual, steady growth. And so we see that he talks about the invisible power of the yeast in verse 33. We see the improbable progress. With the seed, the mustard seed. And now we see this invisible power. Now, I used to, in Switzerland, we would have the young adults in and I would make pizza. All night, the pizza would be going in the oven. trays, Big square pizzas. And so, I would have to make pizza dough. And so, one time, we were having church and people were coming back to the house for pizza. And I decided I would make my dough up ahead of time. And I, some of you saw my big pot last week, my big pot that I had my big pot of soup in. Well, that was my big pot that I decided I was going to put my pizza dough in for the crowd. And so I put it in and I put the lid on. We went to church, came back. Literally, the pizza dough had risen so much that knocked the lid off the top of the pot. It was down over the pot, now going across the counter, ready to hit the floor when I found it. And so, praise God, I found it in time. But I realized how powerful that yeast was in that dough before I was able to punch it back down and make the pizza. Some of you have done this over the years, and it became very popular during COVID. Remember? Sourdough? Anybody ever do sourdough starters? Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. Sourdough bread, that's what it is. Some of you like Sourdough bread. And you have to feed your starter and you've got to take it off and you can share it with your friends and everybody has to feed their starter. Well, why I bring that up, when you couldn't get yeast in the stores, everybody was looking at how can I make sourdough bread. Why? Because this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. What they would do is that dough would be made and before you made your bread, you took a lump of dough off. What was that? That was your starter for your next loaf of bread. And so they would bake that bread, and that starter would sit and ferment until you were ready to make your bread again. And then you would use that lump of starter and put it in the dough, the flour, and you would begin to see that, begin to ferment that all that flour again. And so they would do this. This is how they had leavened bread. Unleavened bread would not have had that lump. It becomes more like a cracker. It's, it's not nice smelling. It doesn't do anything for you. You can eat it, but it's not the same as home-baked bread. One of the hardest things, right Eleanor, with gluten-free, is not being able to have that homemade bread because there's something special when that yeast hits all that flour. A little bit of leaven can transform that whole dough. Now, this is the shocking aspect of it, again, because Jesus doesn't say, oh, it was a woman making three loaves of bread. Jesus says that little lump of dough that someone has put aside can actually transform three measures of flour. Actually, that's 40 liters of flour. So, this is somebody making a lot of bread. And see, they had a, this would have been shocking for them to hear this parable, because all throughout, What yeast always represented was what? Sin. Sin. In scripture they talked about yeast connection to sin. That you get a little bit of lump of sin in a community and before you know it it permeates and destroys everything. And so this is why Jesus now comes and says let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. (laughs) He says it's like yeast and that would have perked their ear. What do you mean? No, no, the kingdom of God, no, no, it can't be that because yeast represents sin. Jesus says, oh, no, you know the same way that sin seems to permeate and grow? Well, my kingdom is even greater and bigger than that because it will continue to grow greater than any sin. It is able to change. It is able to transform. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Christ's kingdom and plan easily missed, overlooked, disdained. You can't see it. You don't think anything's happening. Churches, what's the point of that? Christian faith, oh, that's just an old thing. No, 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 my friends. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God's advancement cannot be stopped. And it starts in the smallest things, and that small yeast, like the bread, begins to ferment the whole thing. The kingdom of God is about transformation, and it's about transformation of individuals. I hope and pray you're a transformed individual. I know I am. I could take you back. <laughs> I could take you back to where Mike and I were. I could show you pictures. I could tell you stories. But we are changed and transformed people. By the power of God and his kingdom. I pray you're changed and transformed because that's what he wants to do. He wants to transform individuals. But you know what else he wants to do? And you know when revival begins to move, he wants to transform society. Mm -hmm. He wants to change West Prince for his glory. That's when revival begins to hit and move, when you begin to see society totally change form, transform. The Wesleyan revival transformed England. And when you look at the revivals, you see that it begins to transform society. And so that's what Jesus is saying. You want to know what my kingdom is like? Well, it might look small and insignificant, but put in the right place, it begins to change and transform. You know what's sad today? What's sad today is how Christians think that the church is on its worst days. What's sad today is people who are going around preaching and teaching, it's all downhill from here. They have forgotten about what the kingdom of God is like. have forgotten what this parable says. Now, hear me right. I'm not talking about you see with the eyes, physical eyes, but if you can see with the eyes of faith, the kingdom of heaven is like a leaven, like yeast that begins to transform the whole lump. It is hidden, my friends, but it is potent, and it is on the move quietly, mysteriously, at work, unnoticed, unanticipated, but it will continue to permeate and advance until it permeates the whole world. So as I bring this to a close today, many people will go around and say, why doesn't God do something? (laughs) But he is. He is. He's been doing it all along. If you have eyes to see it and you have a heart to sense it and feel it, God has been on the move. And he's still on the move in this day. Because little is much when God is in it. It might not be what you expect. It might not be with the big and the loud. But it is moving in those small hidden places where you least expect it. Because little is much. When God is in it, it's time for the church to believe that again. Do you have eyes to see the kingdom? Paul said to the church in Corinth, look not to the things seen, but to the things unseen. That's what we need. That's the awakening that we pray for in the church, is God will open up our eyes to see what God is doing. But you know what? These parables, these two parables are about Waiting. The farmer waits for the harvest the birds wait for the tiny seed to grow that they can perch in the branches the woman making bread has to wait for the leaven to spread its way through and Jesus's followers didn't want to wait and neither do we (laughs) they wanted the whole thing all at once when's your kingdom coming Lord When is that big showy kingdom coming and you're going to overthrow the Romans? And we want it and we want it now. (laughs) Isn't that sometimes the way we pray? The kingdom of God is gradual. Don't despise small things done in the name of Jesus. Don't rule out unseen possibilities because little is much when God is in it. Because we know our Lord, as Isaiah told us, He was despised and rejected. Do you understand that? The king of glory came and took on flesh. And there was nothing that would bring people's eyes to him. Isaiah told us prophetically that he was despised and rejected. Jesus was a man of no rank and without no means. And he lived in whatever everyone considered a backwater region of the world, Nazareth of Galilee. Can anything good come from Nazareth? His life and death did not catch the world's attention at the time, any more than a mustard seed would lying down on the ground somewhere on a road. But this was God's work. And what seemed insignificant at first had now spread throughout the whole world. The New Testament church didn't seem like very much. Just 12 and then 120 of average ordinary people in an upper room. But now, over 2,000 years ago, they were not scholars. They were not famous. They were not rich or powerful. They were a bunch of insignificant nobodies. But filled with the fire of God. Okay. They were ignorant. They were uneducated. Some even doubt were we're told in God's word. They were scared and frightened because we know they stayed behind locked doors. (laughs) But just like a mustard seed or a small lump of leaven, they did what God called them to do in their day. And the rest is history. Acts 17.6 says this about them. They were men who turned their world upside down. And so, my friends, little as much when God is in it. I'm to look at someone and say to them today, little is, much, little is much when God is in it. You need to know that today, that little is much when God is in it. The church, the church experienced explosive growth through the centuries. Do you know it was within 40 years of the church that after Christ had died, the gospel had reached all the great centers of Rome. In the Roman world, all of the great cities and centers; those twelve that turned to 120 reached every one of those cities for Christ. In many out-of-the-way places, and since that time, the church continues to spread. If we have the eyes to see it, gaining people from every country, every town and tribe. Now there are over two billion Christians, and the church is still on the move, and the church is still growing. It will be a gradual growth, but it will continue to grow until the Lord returns. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't be a part of that crowd that speaks negatively about the church because God doesn't see it that way. But he will not move in the big and the loud and the showy. It will be in those small seeds planted. It will be like that yeast put in a whole pile of dough. It is able to change and transform anyone. And I pray today as the worship team comes, that encourages you as you pray. That's why prayer is such a part of revival and renewal. That we need to believe that God can change and transform people. We need to see people and not see where they are today and what they're doing today. We need to have the eyes of Jesus to see them at their full potential as Jesus sees them. And to love them till we get there. Continue to work and love and encourage and come alongside. and Pick people up when they fall. Because God sees us at our full potential. And we see others at theirs too. You know that begins to change youth ministry. That begins to change Sunday school and working with children. That begins to change when we're reaching out in the community. And whoever we're working with, we begin to see that the God's kingdom is on the move. And we get to be a small part of it. But it is moving. Lord, we pray today. Help us to have the eyes, yes, Lord, of your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, when we want the big, Mm -hmm. when we want the famous, when we want the loud. Mm -hmm. But help us today to realize that it's us that you want. Yes, Lord. You are faithful, Lord. That you can move in us. Mm -hmm. That you can use, that's the miracle. You can use us. Yes, Lord. Weak, that God would want to use me, Make us but yet You do. Peace. And so, Lord, I pray today, help us to be instruments in Your hands. Yes, Lord. It's not just enough that our names yes, are written across Your palm, tattooed across Your palm, the actual words. Yes. But now, Lord, we lay ourselves in Your palm. Mm-hmm. We lay this church yes. in Your palm. Yes, Lord. And we ask that You would use us. All throughout your word, Lord, we see the most unlikely people taken and used by God. But I thank you today you do that so that your power might be manifested. You choose the weak of this world, that your power might be manifested and your kingdom will indeed continue to expand. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be a small part of this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you stand with us as we sing? his closing song.